The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm Janine, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Happy Memorial Day, and thank you, thank you, thank you to all those who have served this country, continue to serve. Without you, we wouldn't be a safe country and feel as safe and comfortable as we do, and so thank you. And uh, what I'm going to do on the first half of the show is I have uh, Ben Collins standing by, so we're live with him. And the second half, I'm going to uh, replay my interview with director Soren Sorensen, who joined me last Monday to talk about his personal film, My Father's Vietnam. It was a very powerful conversation. So let me just give you a little bit of a background about Ben, who's standing by. He's a championship-winning Le Mans race car driver, best-selling author, TV presenter, world record breaker, and Hollywood stunt driver. And I love his book, especially since my daughter's learning how to drive. So he's got some great tips in here. Uh, great advice. He's a ton of experience. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome this week's show, Ben Collins. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Where are you calling in from? Well, I'm in South Devon uh, on the coast here, and um, I, I realize it's celebrations and a memorial for, for America. So um, we're here, I'm very near uh, the Slaps and Sands, which is the beach that was used um, by the Americans to rehearse before the D-Day invasion. So wow. um, very poignant um, over here, too. Yes, that is incredible. Now, um, it's great, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of a, a lot of uh, history here, and in fact, there's a Sherman tank that was recovered um, from the seas here that was that was lost in action during the rehearsals before um, the boys went over um, into France. Are there just hundreds of people around you? Because you're very quiet where you are. Actually, where I am is very quiet. So we're yeah. um, we, we've got we live a little just a little bit back from the coast, so we're not down there on the beach at the moment. Right. Um, otherwise, it'd be be lots of noise. Oh yes, no, I figured you were within distance, but yes, that's that's, that's wonderful. So uh, I want to thank you so much for calling in this Memorial Day, and I got a copy of your book, How to Drive: Real World Instruction and Advice from Hollywood's Top Driver. Tell me how you got involved in becoming a driver, doing this professionally. Well, for me, driving and the love of driving began very early um, on a small John Deere tractor that we used for mowing <laughs> the lawn, but I was four years old, so <gasps> Come I managed on. to get it going, but um, I didn't manage to stop it, so I crashed into the chicken coop, and um, that, that was the end of that, but um, I, loved the, I loved machinery since a very young age, and I, I began racing cars when I was 19 years old, um, and 23 years later, or whatever it is, um, my math isn't too good today, 22 uh, okay. years I'm still doing it. So, um, you know, I love, I love driving, um, love cars, and uh, I have a huge passion for trying to share uh, my enjoyment of cars and, um, and for people to learn the best way to, to handle them. Now, how did you become the Stig from BBC's internationally acclaimed Top Gear TV show? I sent in my resume, uh, so pretty standard in some ways, and, uh, but I'm, I guess there were lots of other people trying to get the job as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I was taken down to the track by um, the, my, the boss of Top Gear at the time, Andy Wilman, Mm -hmm. He was very and is a very eccentric guy, 
um, and he gave me the keys to a Ford Focus. Um, they had a, a lap time around the Top Gear track um, set by the previous Stig, um, and I beat the time. But um, wow. being uh, Andy, he didn't tell me that I'd done well until about two months later, so <laughs> that was a nice cliffhanger. Um, two months later, he called me up, and I had the job, so that was great. That's a, and, um, That's a long yeah, time. That's a long time to wait. Was. Yeah. And uh, now you've coached hundreds of celebrities, from Tom Cruise to Lionel Richie. How did that come about? So, well, a big part of the, the Top Gear show, and still remains, is the, uh, the star and a reasonably priced car, um, which really involves getting, uh, getting someone famous to drive a hunk of junk um, as fast <laughs> as possible around our track. <laughs> uh, and my job was to give these poor people some kind of preparation because um, really... Um, High-speed driving and uh, car control is is very removed from day-to-day driving, so I really had to try and open their eyes to to the potential. Um, But actually, you managed to do it really in a short space of time. It's actually very easy to learn a lot uh, in a short space of time uh, Mm -hmm. with good instruction. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise was a bit of a natural because um, he he flies World War II fighter planes and bikes, stuff like that, in his spare time for kicks. Yes, Um, yes, He took to it like a duck to water. But actually... Um, Cameron Diaz, who was there on the same day in the same car, was, yes. was faster when it was raining. <laughs> he came back, uh, had a second try in the dry um, when it dried out, and, um, and he set the fastest time in some style. So it was great to see. Do people ever get really nervous? I mean, because look how much force is in this car. They do. Um, people get fearful. Um, that, that's just, it's natural, and that's the thing. No two, no two human beings are the same. Yes. Um, we all have different, um, some of us are overconfident. I think in my case, when I started, that was probably, um, def- well, it was definitely the case with me. Um, and others are, you know, lack confidence, and, and the trick is to try and, you know, remove the, the macho side of stuff and, and people who need a bit of encouragement to bring them up. So I never treated two people the same way, um, always responded to what they needed, and, um, you know, you get surprising results, and um, girls who'd had no interest whatsoever in driving but were prepared to listen, they learned very, very quickly. It's interesting, you point out in your book, How to Drive, that uh, women are easiest to train as they are open-minded, while lots of men feel they already know how to drive and aren't as open to learning. Yeah, it's true. And guys don't ask for directions. I'm the worst. Um, you never <laughs> want to stop. You'd, you'd, you'd want to drive off a cliff and, and stop and ask somebody for help. Right. So, um, you know, but then guys have other attributes, and um, we love cars. We're fascinated with engineering. So um, we're drawn to driving in different ways, um, but there's always a, a spirit, spirit of adventure there, and, you know, cars and driving is what built, you know, America, the, the road system, and the, the connection between remote part of the country, bringing it together for, for business and pleasure. Mm-hmm. So we've all got an interest in, in doing it well, and um, that's what, really I, what I wanted to encourage, um, using stories instead of a, a manual, because, um, again, we, I, I wouldn't be interested in reading a manual, but a good story um, makes it much more interesting. So yes. I used a lot of examples from Hollywood movies, like the James Bond films that I've worked on, from Batman to Spider-Man, Top Gear, anything crazy that, that, um, where I learned something. I use those examples to try and um, give it some sparkle. That's great. It's interesting. I, when I heard you say, you know, you started driving really at a young age, I, I tell my daughters how uh, my dad taught me how to drive at 13. And it was just, you know, first I think I was like 11, sitting on his lap, steering the Cadillac. Yeah. And, then, and then it was 13, going around our little neighborhood. And then so by the time you get your license, you're so much more comfortable. Yeah. It's true, and, and actually, w- w- even if you're not aware of it, you're, you're teaching your children 
from age one mm -hmm. because they sit there in the back seat listening and watching everything that their parents do. So yes. if you get road rage and you, you swear, you can guarantee that somebody's oh, little ears are listening and uh, they pick it up. And I remember being in the back of my dad's car yes. um, with my mum screaming and hitting him with the handbag <laughs> later in life. She would hit me with the handbag when she was teaching me to drive to slow down. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you absorb this stuff and um, he, would, he would pull the e-brake at the end of the, our lane and skid sideways into the road. Yeah. Um, obviously, oh, he was checking God. that it was clear at the time. And right. I don't encourage this, but... Um, you know, it, it, you watch, you learn, you copy. And so it's important yes. that uh, everybody realizes that too. Yes. That it's, uh, it's a shared adventure. My father's little thing was I'd be driving and then he'd say, break, and he'd tap me in the leg, you know, kind of whack me lightly. There was a lot of that. <laughs> break, break. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I got hit in the face with a handbag. Oh, um, my God. And uh, that was pretty effective <laughs> for slowing me down as well. But I think my mother was very relieved when she, when she left me to it. You know what? It's so nerve-wracking to have your child drive you around, you know, so I can it's, see why. It's tough. Yeah. Because you want the best for them, and um, it's a mix of trying to explain caution and uh, things like that. It's a brave new world, and really the first two years of, of driving solo are the toughest for new drivers because they get very little seat time, um, less, in fact, than, uh, than the average Starbucks barista um, will get on, a, on an espresso machine. So people get more training to make coffee than... <sighs> They do to drive a car, which oh is a little crazy. Oh, my gosh, that's nuts. Um, but the trick is to try and inspire them, inspire young drivers, old drivers, to, to learn new tricks. Um, and, and that, again, is, is where I'm coming from. And uh, it, it's tr I've used a lot of the stupid stuff that I've done over the years, the mm -hmm. mistakes I've made. Um, I learned by accident um, in the hope that, uh, you know, the next generation can see those mistakes for what they are and, and be aware of the hazards out there. And I love you. Uh, I love you. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I love your section. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I love your section on um, channel your inner Je Jedi master, uh, because I'm yeah. always mentioning scan the area. You know, be aware. I remember being taught. You know, go slow near that driveway. There could be a kid coming out. Could you share a little advice on this? That's it. I mean, um, I remember I raced for Sir Jackie Stewart, who was a, he won the, the Formula One World Championship three times, and he knew his stuff. And he always said it was a fine line between bravery and stupidity, and uh, that, that some of the dumbest racing drivers were, were stupid because they had no imagination. They, they couldn't imagine how they could get hurt. And right. uh, It's worth imagining these things. And so when I, I, when I drive around, um, I always try to imagine what can come around the corner or imagine what can spill into the road. Right. And if you see a dog that's not on a leash, that dog can bolt. You, you, it's the, ob the usual example they give is a, is a kid who drops his ball into the road mm -hmm. and um, is naturally going to chase after it. So right. it's, uh, it isn't too hard to do, actually. It's what we're built to do. Um, it, our instincts uh, were developed over many millions of years. You know, when you went for a walk in the woods in the dark, you, you listen out for bears, and it's very much the same thing. Right, um, sure. just, be, just paying attention, looking in your mirrors, has the guy behind, is he going to stop for this traffic light or rear-end me? Um, is that semi going to stop at the intersection? Um, it's just um, being more observant. And so the more examples you can see and mm -hmm. be aware of, um, then you start to start predicting what could happen. And uh, sure enough, it's happened to me many times, you, the, the things you predict will happen, they do happen, yes. and uh, you're glad you saw it coming. You know, I can agree on that. I've had um, situations where, you know, I think a car doesn't see me, and they don't, and they're about to, yeah. to come out. And you really do have to drive, you know, in, a, in an offensive but not aggressive way. Yeah. You know? It's true.
true, and, uh, you know, eye contact is a crucial thing. Um, there's a lot more um, people should be encouraged, really, to try and see the person in the car. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of tinted windows because th- these people are trying to shut the world out, and really what we want to be doing is, is looking each other in the eye uh, and working out what's happening. Um, less so these days with the, the mobile phone, which is the, the killer distraction, oh, literally. Yes. Um, and, uh, and texting where you can't see anything. So you're, you're really a passenger waiting to, for an accident. Right. Uh, could you give some advice for people that are learning to drive, perhaps? Just some um, general ideas, things to be aware yeah, of? Yeah, I, I mean, the simplest thing for any driver is to look further ahead. And um, when we get uh, people to the racetrack for the first time, they, they realize that, that everything feels very fast because they're looking very, very close in front of the car. They're not looking half a mile in front of them. Mm-hmm. So when, when uh, they start doing that, the speed feels less, it's, it's, it's less in their face. They've got more time to plan because they're looking further down the road. And that, that allows you to do three things, which is, which is good. So you can anticipate trouble, like we were saying, so you avoid accidents. Yes. It means you don't have to keep jumping on the brakes all the time um, to avoid things and slow down for traffic. And that can save up to 20% of your fuel, which um, even oh. though gas prices are cheap, it's still a nice saving. Um, and and it, makes, it makes it smoother for your, drive, for your passengers. So mm-hmm. smooth driving is where it's at. Um, and it means that um, the car is more stable um, for cornering. Again, if you look further through the corner, you can be smoother with the brakes, easier with the gas, um, and as a result, the tyres have more grip. So um, it makes you safer in, in every way um, and, uh, yeah, and more energy efficient, which is good. So you can, you can feel green and proud at the end of it. Let me ask you something, because when I was uh, 15, 16, I learned how to drive stick shift. Um, yeah. Do you think that that's not necessary anymore? Or is that also good to know? Well, maybe someday there won't be any gears left, so um, yeah. except for some of the old cars. And I, I think in, in remote areas, there will always be manual transmissions. But mm-hmm. uh, increasingly, uh, there's automatic, electric, hybrid. And, you know, most, most Americans will, will drive with, a, with an automatic shifter, and right. uh, that works fine. Right. Um, there's still a lot you can do. Even with an automatic, you can still use gears to help the car slow down. You can use engine braking um, in snow and ice conditions rather than stamping on the brakes and, and losing grip. So I think um, there's definitely a place for both. Yes. Um, uh, and, you know, both have their own advantages and disadvantages, I think. Uh, but technology will, will change, and that will change with it. Right. And could you talk a little bit about following distance and blind spots? Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, the easy thing I use is, is the, the length of a truck um, to sort of gauge a sort of standard following distance. And, um, uh, you know, in, in, in dry conditions, when you can see, that's great, no problem. But mm-hmm. um, as soon as the rain falls, I, I double or triple that distance. And it's just right. an easy way of, of staying clear for when the, when the music stops on the highway and everybody brakes suddenly in front of you, um, you've got that, uh, that safe zone that you can use. And right. if you need to, take emergency um, you know, measures to, to, to steer out of, out of danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, all-round visibility is a great thing. And that's what those mirrors are there for, um, so in order to be able to see um, what's around you and, um, and not hide in people's blind spots. So that's the, the sort of uh, the devil of the detail, the, that small window um, to your right and left yes. uh, where you can't see with the mirror what's running alongside you and it's that old-fashioned trick of looking over the shoulder to make sure there's nothing hiding in there that you're going to oh, um, suddenly t-bone and and spoil your day yes it is amazing to me and i was telling my daughter how many people do drive in your blind spot you have to be yeah. so aware because you could go put your signal on and think nobody's there and bang right into them that's it 
Well, a lot of people hit the signal as they steer. I know. <laughs> it's I a know. bit late. It's a bit late for telling the person next to you that you're going to move lanes. Um, yes. And uh, I know in, in Florida, if, of course, if, if, if you signal, people speed up and try and cut you off. <laughs> so there's a good, there's sometimes there's a reason for not using the signal. Right. Never, never give away your intentions. Um, but uh, as long as you make sure that there's a, you're, you're steering into a gap um, that's clear, then, then it's okay. Um, but uh, for obvious reasons, it's better to try and signal, and it's better not to be the guy speeding up to try and cut people off all the time. You know, I, was, I have a crazy story. I remember I was telling my daughter also, don't ever drive if you're very tired, exhausted, because I was driving from Syracuse to Boston one time, and all of a sudden I see these big trucks stopping, and I see belongings all over the road, and uh, yeah. a 20-something boy had fallen asleep at the wheel, and his car was sideways. His stuff was all over the road, and I pulled over, and he was climbing out of the car. It was on its side, and I helped him out. He was so disoriented. He said, oh, my gosh, I must have fallen asleep. Yeah, well, he's, it's a, he's a miracle that he survived. Isn't so, he? Yes. I mean, the hardest thing, the worst thing about falling asleep at the wheel is that um, obviously the car will leave the road, and when it does, uh, you're not awake to hit the brake pedal before you hit whatever it is you're going to run into. And if it's a tree or a lamppost or something very hard like that, there's a, it's very unlikely you, you can survive. So yes. it's, um, it's the deadliest type of accident. And um, one of the, the tricks to staying awake, and I, ra- I do 24-hour uh, racing at uh, places like Le Mans and Daytona. Um, there are lots of tricks, but uh, one of the best, obviously, is to know yourself and take a rest when you can. Yes. Um, but to pound the water, because um, actually, oh. if you get remotely dehydrated, um, that really kicks in. Um, it makes you want to go to sleep, basically. So um, staying hydrated is a, is a big big help um, mm-hmm. and just trying to plan it and for, for younger drivers in particular uh, they get more drowsy so um, your your endurance level does improve as you get older um, but yeah interesting just drive tired i didn't know that so what are some essentials to keep in your car every day maybe during extreme weather you know what, what would be some great advice when we don't have snow here but we have you know rain and it's always good to know because you know not everybody keeps anything in their car yeah well, keeping the car well-maintained makes a big difference. And um, if, the, if the wiper blades are completely stuffed, um, haven't been changed, um, you know, since Egyptian times, <laughs> uh, then you're not going to see when it comes to turning them on to clear the water. So yes. keeping your car well-prepared, making sure that the, the tire pressures are correct. Mm-hmm. Um, the tire is really the most important thing for, in terms of grip. So um, if they're bald or, or under-inflated, you really have no chance of, or, or, or very little grip uh, when it's raining, and, and it's really important to keep an eye on that and to use decent tires. Um, I would never recommend retreads or secondhand tires. It, sure. it's, um, it's the one thing um, that I spend money on is the tires because um, if you use a premium tire, you, you, sometimes you can have as much as double the grip of um, some cheap import. So okay. that really is the most important thing. Um, and then if you're getting into the extreme weathers of, of snow and ice, Again, there are, there are tire choices you can make in the winter um, mm-hmm. that give you a, a lot more grip. Um, and I wrote a little in, in a chapter about um, kind of some of the basics you can pack in the car. But um, if you're expecting snow and ice, obviously have enough, um, you know, battery on your phone. It's going to get cold. The batteries get munched up pretty quickly. Um, I always carry a small shovel in case I get stuck. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but I wouldn't go out unless I had the correct uh, car on the correct tires. I wouldn't go out into deep snow and ice unless I really knew. I could get through the other side. So, yes. um, but yeah, there, there's a list of things you can take with you to sort of uh, be prepared. 
I went to Syracuse University and we used to get the worst winters and snowstorms. And, and I remember driving with a girl that was very nervous. She said, I'll give you a ride home to Connecticut. And she slammed on her brake and we did a 360 right by a toll booth. Yep. And I've never been more scared. And I said, pull over, I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't need somebody driving me around who is so nervous in the elements. Thank you. Yeah. You know. Well, the, the trick is with that. I mean, we get sometimes we get that weather here, but it, it, it always seems to take you by surprise, and you forget oh, yeah. what you learned. It's, it's strange. It's not like riding a bike. It comes no. back, but not not immediately. Yes. Um, and really, driving on ice is like uh, you might as well be driving on another planet. The gravity seems to be completely gone, and um, you're right. on a frictionless surface. So um, the tire works very very differently on in, in the slippery conditions like that so day to day we get used to having lots of grip at the tire and you can you can break in the middle of the corner if you want as long as you're not going too fast sure. you'll get away with it it's not the right way to drive but you'll get away with it the tire can stretch in two directions it can handle cornering and it can handle a braking force which is stretching it in two two ways at the same time but in the cold in the ice and snow yeah. it really can't cope with that um and you have to um brake well well ahead of um, where you would normally expect to uh, yes. in different conditions. And uh, combining braking with any steering or combining uh, you know, the gas pedal with any steering mm-hmm. usually means leaving the corner. Um, so your friend <laughs> found that out when she hit the brakes too hard. Um, yeah, you've got to be much, much more gentle. And uh, it's like uh, carrying a big box of eggs everywhere. Yes. So, all right, let's say it's raining really hard and you hide your plane. What do you, what do, you do? Well, unless... Unless the car starts spinning, mm-hmm. which would, is usually unlikely, yes. um, but if, you, if you're in a, in a curve and you, you hit a really big, big puddle and the car starts rotating and you're out of control, okay, at that point I'd recommend you throw the parachute, jump on the brakes as hard as you can, hope for the best, because you're probably going to hit something. Probably, um, yes. But for, for 90% of the time, when you hydroplane, um, you usually it's in a straight, uh, you're in a straight line on a freeway, mm-hmm. and um, hydroplane is completely dependent on speed. So um, if you've hit that big puddle, really all you have to do is not very much. Um, If you just get off the gas, um, the uh, car is going to slow down just by virtue of being in that, uh, that, hitting that force of water. Yes. Um, Let the speed come off. Um, The tires then land back onto the tarmac and you recover steering and braking. Mm -hmm. Um, One mistake that people do make is they try to hit the brakes very hard. And what that does is it, it starts the tires skidding. Um, then they put lots of steering into the car and um, they really overreact and, and as a result can spin out. Right. But the best thing to do is, is not too much and uh, very, very gentle amounts of steering, maybe very gentle amounts of braking um, and wait for the tires to land again. Okay. Here's a crazy one. I was driving through New York, not New York City, but I guess uh, through you know, one of the highways and my brakes gave out. I was driving a used car that I thought was fine. No brakes. And wow. I, uh, exactly, wow. I had such a moment of panic, and I thought, be calm, try not to hit anybody. And I think, I don't know if I hit my emergency brake, but I gently just eased up, and I think I started, like, honking. Or Thank, good, thank goodness it was broad daylight, but it was so yeah. scary. Yeah, it's tough. And, I mean, really your options are quite limited if you lose the brakes. And, yeah. um you, you can try and hit the pedal a few times and see if that recovers it. But if yeah. it doesn't, then Nothing. you've got to think quickly. And, and most people who drive automatics will never have used any gear other than D for drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually there's three, two, and one. And the, the trick with an automatic is to 
crunch down the gears, use the engine to slow the car down and, yes. and just jam it into the, sl- the slowest gear you can get it into, ideally into number one, and, and really just get the speed off. Yes. Use the e-brake carefully, if you can, um, and, and try and, yeah, <laughs> avoid the Anybody. climate that's <laughs> happening in front of you. I, you know what? I know what I did. I was driving a stick, and I brought the gears down, and I mm. just slid right up to the guardrail, and, and yeah. I was so lucky. So lucky. You did good. Thank I'd, you. I'd be happy to be your passenger. <laughs> okay. That's why stick shifts still rock. I, I love still in control, it. and uh, I, I don't trust robots, so no. um, I'm happy with that. I know. What do you think of these uh, cars that drive themselves? I don't really want any part of it. No, it's, it's terrible. Um, my fear is that these things will jam up the roads because I think people will take um, journeys that they don't need to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, I, I, we're 10 years away from, the, from those systems really being able to work properly. But uh, the people that make these systems are, are trying to sell them as if they're ready to go tomorrow, and they're not. Um, certainly for, for remote rural areas and in extreme weather conditions, the systems they use are not efficient enough. And um, if you've ever been sent the wrong way um, by GPS, which I'm sure every single person in America has at some time if they've used it, um, then you know that the glitches are there and, and uh, you know, these, these things are built to, to fail at the moment. They need a lot more work before they can really be trusted. So I, I definitely won't be sitting in the back of one. And uh, I've been in a number of, of cars that had, um, you know, autonomous braking systems and uh, every single one of them has failed. So I don't trust it, um, I think. But at very slow speeds in urban areas, okay, 20, 30 miles an hour, then that's fine. But beyond that, yeah. there's too much going on. And, and actually, as strange as it sounds, driving a car around, it, it, you know, on, through curves and handling traffic and traffic lights and everything else that goes with it is more mm-hmm. complicated than flying a, a 747 in the sky on autopilot. You can do that because you've got thousands of acres of space in the sure, sky. But sure. um, when you get down on the ground, things happen a lot more quickly. So much. So many things can pop out in front of you. Okay, so not that this happens to everybody, but how would somebody escape a sinking car? Let's say they drive into a lake. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't offer a guarantee on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only done my research, and I've expressed my opinion, which is to get out as quickly as possible. Okay. Um, I do not subscribe to the view that you should um, stay with a sinking ship, no. take a last breath of air, and open it when, um, when, the car's, uh, you know, when the car's full of water and so-called equalized with its surroundings. Mm-hmm. Because um, in my experience, the, the car is normally sunk about 10 meters by that point, and you're in, you're in real trouble. Yes. So... Opening the door, when, once the water is starting to swell up around the car, becomes incredibly difficult. There's a really good chance that it's going to, do, it's going to short-circuit the electrics, so you won't even be able to open a window. Most cars now don't have mechanical levers. It's all electronic, um, again, you know, leading us down this path of technology. So open the door, get straight out, and uh, that usually works. Not the windows, Ben? Don't open the windows? Uh, you can open them, but it, you, know, you know how long it takes to open a window. A door opens much, much faster. That's so, true. Um, by opening the, opening the door and, and getting out as quickly as you can, and then you can start helping other people um, and get their doors open and get them out. I think, that's, I think that's the best way. And I've only seen a few examples of it and, um, uh, and known people who've, who've, who've crashed into the water and, uh, you know, in helicopters and in cars, and, and that uh, tends oh. to be the best way to do it, is get out quick. Windows do take longer, and if the, if the door won't open... Yes. Um, and then the electrics fail and you can't open the window, um, there is one neat trick which um, I've learned, which is to use the headrest to get that out, and you can use that to smash the windows um, oh. and get out if you have to do that. But okay. all of that is, um, is, is, is measured in time, so it takes a lot longer. Yes.
Yes. So I'm reading on the back cover of your book that you actually piloted the Batmobile. Yeah. What was that like? The ultimate traffic buster, because it had a, <laughs> a rocket launcher for, for blowing people out of the way. Whoa. Um, <laughs> that was a great car. How cool. Um, it had a V8 engine, so uh, it actually had a lot of power, about sort of 400 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Um, a Corvette engine, I think it was. And it was really built from the ground up by the special effects team that, that sort of... Um, they were given a brief by Chris Nolan, fantastic director who, who directed all three of the Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, make it look like this and be, make it do X, Y, and Z. So they built this thing. They, they drew up the, the sketches. Um, and really, it's a, a one-off car. Absolutely incredible piece of kit and um, really built for purpose. It, it had fantastic acceleration, um, huge tires. Um, the only thing it wasn't good at was the visibility. Was, it was kind of like driving a tank. Um, you're looking through effectively like a post post box. The windows were really, really small. Oh, no. So you had to drive with your nose on the steering wheel as far forward as possible to be able to see out of the thing and uh, and try not to hit the stuff that was around you. Sure. Lots of blind spots there, I bet. Lots of blind spots. Um, so the film I was on, um, the one I did was The Dark Knight Rises, and there were three of these Batmobiles running around. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we did one really cool scene that, that didn't make it in the end, but we were rolling um, through a tunnel, with three of us kind of menacing this, um, this uh, some other, other traffic, uh, and that was pretty tight. There was just enough room for two of us to run side by side, and I think we had the wheel rims scraping on the concrete and sparks flying, so it was tight. Oh, my gosh. Now, one last question. What about the James Bond movies? Uh, yeah, I've had a, the huge honor of working on three um, James Bond films. Uh, my first one was The Quantum of Solace, which was the crazy car chase around Lake Garda in an Aston Martin DBS. Oh, my gosh. Um, and uh, doing some very bad things with beautiful cars. We, we smashed up about 12 of those cars in that film. That's um, crazy. Skyfall, we had the Land Rovers and, and Jaguars for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Interspector and another, you know, some of these prototype machines, the Aston and the Jaguar. So the great thing with the Bond movies is that they don't use CGI. It's all real stunts. Everything you see was done by a human being, and I think that's why um, those films are, are still timeless. People love the action sequences because they know... There's a, there's a real person there, and people connect with that. Yes, yes. So I want before we wrap up, uh, I know your website is bencollins.com. Any tips for people looking to improve their skills? I know your book is out, How to Drive, but um, just anything you want to throw out? Well, I've been driving for oh, 30 years, I guess, on and off. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning, and, uh, and I, I'm loving that. And uh, I think just go out, enjoy the ride, and uh, keep your eyes open. I think there's always, there's always something more to learn. Great. And where can people find you besides uh, bencollins.com? Are you on Instagram or Twitter or anywhere else? I'm on Twitter, okay. Ben Collins Stig. Um, in a, yep, so remembering the old Top Gear days. I'm on Facebook as well, um, at Ben Collins Stig and Instagram. So I'm firing out some fun photos and uh, always love hearing from people. So please come and say hi. Wonderful. Ben, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks very much. I hope you guys enjoy the book and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you. That'd be great. Have a great day. And you. Bye-bye. That was Ben Collins calling in. He's a championship-winning Le Mans race car driver, best-selling author. I have a copy of his book here, How to Drive, Real-World Instruction and Advice from Hollywood's Top Driver. He's a driver for Top Gear, NASCAR, and the James Bond movies. It's a great book, especially if you have a teen that's learning how to drive or, you know, you forget certain things. There's a lot of rules of the road. So, All right, we're going to take a little break. And then we come back, we're going to hear a segment uh, with director Soren Sorensen, who joined me last week, to talk about his personal film, My Father's Vietnam. It's a very, very powerful film, and it is up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org.